feels good to win. Yeah. It feels good to win. I mean, that's what I've heard. I wouldn't know. Well, I would. I didn't know until this past weekend, but now I know what it's like to win. No big deal. I, I only won my match at the UK's first LGBTQ plus wrestling event, Pride of the Ring. By the way, Pride of the Ring 2 has been announced for next year Woo. at Funny Girls in Blackpool. So, yeah, very successful event. Lots of fans turned up. Thank you all very much for that. Um, you, your turning up really helped impress people there. And some doors look to be opening up for me in the world of, of UK wrestling. So thank you, everyone who turned up. I just wanted to thank folks to kick off with um, myself and um, the classically trained opera singer Matt Brooks tag teamed. He writes custom songs or like parody songs for every match he has and sung about teaming with me. Aww. So that was really cool. Uh, very cool. Um, I'm also really getting used to how famous living in the UK makes me feel <laughs> with the, the denser population and smaller surface area. Like, for someone who's less famous than they ever were, I feel more famous than ever. The thing is, the UK is fucking tiny and anyone who gets successful fucking buggers off to the US and the pool of people who are, you know, known... It's a very small group of people yeah. who were like, hey, people know who I am and I haven't run away. <laughs> it's getting it's getting ridiculous. Like, I have to start being careful. Like, I was outside Sainsbury's yesterday looking like shit. I'd been waiting. I've been trying to get a, a, a ride, an Uber, and they just weren't turning up. And I've been walking around town and like hot and sweaty. Fella with a Doom shirt walks past. Eyes light up, just points at me and yells, I know you. <laughs> I'm subscribed to you. So just and then explain to a very small child who I was and that, yes, I, I am a, a bit of a deal. That's, that's about the most threatening way someone could be excited. I'm subscribed <laughs> to you. Actually, no, he wasn't the one who said, I know you. But that one was weirder. Yeah, I know you's the, the, the unsettling one to me. Yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> yeah, I went to Blackpool for the, the Pride of the Ring event and we stayed overnight so that we could just sort of have a look around Blackpool for those who don't know it's like a seaside town used to be a big tourist destination years and years and years ago but because it's in the north it never got any f funding in the end and so it's just sort of like it's my kind of sort of run down entertainment town where stuff's going on but it's all in a bit of disrepair so I love that kind of thing. And we went to went looking for arcades and there aren't really any anymore. It's all like places where you win tickets to get prizes, like mm. a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing. Um, lots of those machines where you put little two pence pennies in and there's a little shelf that pushes them. So you try and sort of get those. Right. Um, but anyway, there's this machine that is like mechanical camel racing. Oh, um, you know, you, you place bets yeah. and the camels on one side move to the other. And they always have a live commentator on a microphone. <laughs> the moment I walk in, I just hear thundering through the speakers of the establishment. James Stephanie Sterling. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> and I'm there. Everyone's fucking turned around and looking at me. 
and it, it, the guy was nice as heck. Just said I looked really happy and 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 you know uh, looking really good, and asked where, why I was in Blackpool, and I mentioned and but it was and he kept the microphone the whole time. So there's just this one-sided conversation going on <laughs> while I'm like shouting at him because he's far away. He's like behind the booth. I'm yelling. No one can hear me over the noise, but everyone can hear him. So and, and I'm. <laughs> And that's not counting the amount of people who, like, tweet, like, saw Sterling here and then mentioned where I am. And I'm like, that's weird, especially if I'm with family. Don't do that. I'll, I'll occasionally get one of those and be like, saw you at the train station. I'll be like, okay, I don't know what to do with this information. Mm-hmm. I, I assume you were also getting a train. You know, I've been, you know, I got spotted a couple times. Over the the course of fourteen years in America, a handful of times, I'm already I've already been yelled at, pointed at, or or spoken to. All nicely, by the way. I've not had a bad experience. It's all been nice, but way more already than my entire combined fourteen years in the U.S. So that's something to get used to. And you know, it does translate to really nice crowds turning up at wrestling shows. So I absolutely can't complain about that. So yes, once again, thank you everyone. I think there's going to be some good news about Commander Sterling appearing throughout the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still starting in the north, but you know, with PCW seemed really pleased with me. I didn't think I did very well in my match. You know, it was my second match as a, a pro wrestler, and I was a, a little sloppy, a little clueless in there. But myself and Matt Brooks did take on the Ring Rats and uh, beat them, and that was cool. The crowd was really hot for it. But yeah, we're talking to maybe a place in Manchester. Uh, that's where I'm looking to appear next. I'm looking at Manchester. More in the northwest, uh, North Wrestling, of course. And uh, in Newcastle, there's uh, Avant-Garde Wrestling. So yeah, I it's looking like I'm going to be a busy little bee. And I also uh, am probably, if I can arrange it, uh, I will be at the protest at the end of the month in London. Was that, that protest going on at Parliament Square on the 29th of uh, June, starting at noon, that I'm helping organise, that's going to be going on, having a bit of a shout at the government, and they're not being particularly great at minorities. You know what? Yeah, that's th- that rings a bell. That rings a bell. You might have seen Stonewall. You might have seen Stonewall tweeting about it today. Maybe, maybe. That was exciting. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, I'm one of the. Like I spoke to Laura before I moved and said one of the things I was looking forward to was being able to come to these protests to support them. Because of course, and I know I, I know I talk about on Twitter and my live streams. I know I talk about trans issues a lot. But it's only because powerful political uh, figureheads are trying to kill us all. That's all. Um, So, yeah, you know, we're dealing with a lot. And, um, you know, I also matched and donated my booking fee for Pride of the Ring to... um, I went with Point of Pride in the end. I'm looking at um, charities in the UK and the US uh, that... um, provide assistance for medical care for trans and non-binary people since it's it's hard to get um so that's a, a big deal for me uh, and in in um other continued sterling news i'd just like to let everyone know still got the ingot i would be concerned if you no longer had the ingot i don't know how you you cease 
how you will ever cease to be an ingot owner. Well, someone might come along with an offer of magic beans, and then all oh, bets are off. Oh, shit. I mean, that is fair. Magic uh, Ingots are exclusively used for the purchase of magic beans. Wait, they do magic beans now? I mean, if you're oh, lucky, I've you can find them out there. You just go wandering around with an ingot going, I've got an ingot for trade. Oh, Does anyone have magic shit. beans? Who's got some magic beans? Yeah. I've got to get in touch with my brother. I reckon give it get, give it maybe maybe 40 minutes, someone will offer you magic beans. Hang on. My brother, my brother knows a bean dealer. <laughs> right. Asked him if he can pick me up a couple magic ones. Um, there we are. But not magic broad beans. Fuck broad beans. What's the point of broad beans? I mean, some people like a bean, but they wish it was a little broader. They're so flavourless. Broad beans, that does the trick for you. They're so flavourless. I mean, they're flavourless if you do the British thing of just put them in water and that's their entire cooking process. Oh, yeah. That's the only way you cook anything in Britain, Laura. <laughs> Throw it in a pot yeah. until it's hot, then eat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no okay. need to gild the lily we, on this. I, 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 we call them, uh, oh, they're, they're fava beans. All right. Okay. Yeah, you, you America having different names for everything for, like, no good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fava beans are um, bland as fuck. They need help. They you can't suck. just yeah. eat those on their own. No. It's like, why go to all that effort when there are just better beans that are already, like, good? Like, you've seen those fucking, have you seen those baked ones now? They grow these ones that come in tomato sauce. They're amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because they're cheap and they're plentiful and they're not, people don't like them. And so that's the basis of peasant food and peasant food fucking rules because those people still want to eat things that are delicious. So they find ways to take this cheap shit and make it really, really good. And it might take a while. Yeah. But you'll get it. I mean, I'm all in favor of that. Like, the best thing about peasant food is how they do put in that effort and, and improvise to make something really delicious. And then once they make it delicious, rich people take it and then charge an exorbitant yeah. fee for it and price the poor people out of their own creations. But that's how that's how you get innovation in the marketplace, you see. they The uh, capitalist interests steal it from the lower classes. And that forces the lower classes to then find some other means of subsistence and survival that the capitalists can then come along and steal. It's the great circle of life. <laughs> exactly. The second, you know, the second you find out the lobsters actually taste quite nice, they stop being uh, woodlouse of the yeah. sea and start being fancy food. Fucking love lobsters. I won't eat them. I think they're too cute. To me, it's like eating a dog. It'd be like eating a puppy. I've talked about this before. I've, I have eaten lobster in my time, to my great shame. And you know what? It ain't even all that good. It's, it's not crab. No, no. 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 What is? Crab. <sighs> crab. Crab is crab. You know what? Yeah. You're right. Crab is crab. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? According to what I, what, what I, I keep hearing... Basically, everything is eventually crab. Yeah. Because, like, a bunch of different species keep evolving into crabs. Hmm. Yeah, I heard about that. There's, like, a bunch of different, like, evolutionary paths that are unconnected to each other that went, you know, what being a crab would be all right. I, I want to be... Can, Let's just go full crab. Yeah. Can science go too far and turn me into a crab now, please? Because, like, my back's <laughs> killing me, and I feel if I had eight legs and a, and a carapace instead of a spine, I reckon I'd get on a lot more. Yeah. And imagine what it would do for your wrestling career. Oh, it'd be amazing. <gasps> oh, that'd be a hell of a gimmick. 
Crabmander Sterling. <laughs> be fucking brilliant. Oh, right. Um, I think I I've put in my contractually obligated non-video game bullshit uh, allowance. Yeah. Um, if we want to move on, I mean, I've not been rushing us to video games this week because no, we're not get we not get any news because it's been E3 week and technically there has been a lot of video game news, but video game news is. Here's a video game, it exists, here is a trailer, you will know nothing else for a while. Yeah, yeah. But we, I've played a fair amount of stuff this week, Steph's played a few things, Comrade has played a game. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Listeners can guess which one and, and send in your answers on a postcard. <laughs> uh, should, I, should I kick off some things I've played? Cause I've yeah. Played, I, no, I've, why I've played a lot of... A little bit of a lot of different things, because um, basically I've, I've watched all those fucking conferences during E3 week, it turned my brain to mush, but I did find some interesting indie games that were worth trying out. I didn't watch any of it. You didn't miss much. I hate the game industry and everything in it, so yeah. I had other things to do, like just sort of, uh, like a, a poo. I will justify my having watched it this time as having the Steam Deck in front of me and just typing in, well, that looks interesting, and finding what had demos. I downloaded a bunch more things than I usually would, so I'm going to have stuff to talk about for a while. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a cue. I took a cue from you for one of them, so I can talk about one of them with you. Yeah. Uh, so the first first one I tried this week was called Agent 64 Spies Never Die. Okay. Uh, and as the name kind of hints at, it is a modern indie team trying to make an N64 GoldenEye-esque game. Oh. Like, we're starting to get indie teams trying to do that sort of PS1 N64 throwback era. Mm-hmm. It plays a little nicer than actual GoldenEye does. It's one of those things where it plays the way that you remember GoldenEye playing, not the way it actually played. Right, so it plays well. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it plays, it, it has dual analogue uh, controls, it Otherwise, basically plays like like Goldeneye, and it's very clear that it's wearing its influences very on its sleeve. Um, the demo level on Steam has a bit where you crawl through a vent and then fall down into a toilet, uh, like that one level from the Goldeneye game. Mm-hmm. It's not shying away from the fact that that's what it is. Um, it again, it they've done a good job of making it look how you remember Goldeneye looking, and not how it actually looks. So it looks good. Yeah, yeah, it it, it yeah. looks it looks good. Not the kind of trash that the original game looks. I'm looking at it now. It it does look neat. I I think control wise and visuals, they've done a good job of replicating the feel of Goldeneye. There is no difficulty modes in this demo, and it's uh kind of tricky, kind of tricky demo. And there is zero checkpointing. Right. And I don't know how representative that is of the final final game. Um, I do not know whether there is any attempt to have a plot in this in the final game, but if you just kind of, kind of fancy some N64 Goldeneye style game, this sure as fuck feels like Goldeneye. Like, they've done a pr- it's very clearly made by people with a lot of love of the source material. Yeah. It's, it's, pr- it's a pretty fun demo other than I got 12 minutes into this and died and got thrown right back to the start and I got annoyed. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Steph? What you played this week? Uh... Well, I can talk about one of the demos you played. Yeah, which one's that? Yeah, so this one, uh, when you mentioned you played it, and I was like, oh shit, it's, there's a demo out. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I've been wanting to check this out, because I'm a fan of... I'm such a fan, I've forgotten their exact name. <laughs> uh, 
New Dawn Interactive, I want to say they're called. Uh, hang on, I'll just look could, up their other game. Could game. well be right, we'll double check. This is the Gloomwood, a Gloomwood dev. Gloomwood, right? yes, yes. Gloomwood is the, is the game. They, I want to say they did Dusk as well. I believe you're I right. Say I they think did you're Dusk. right. Um, New Blood. New Blood Interactive. Yes. I think, I wanted to call them New Dawn because, um... Of the word dusk, <laughs> the opposite of dawn. Yeah, yes. new, well, new, new Blood—they're the the publisher. Um, they, they they are a publisher of all sorts of of weird um, retro first person shooters. Uh, they they do a lot of ones that look sort of like Doom. They usually. do dusk, a medieval, and ultra kill. One of the best Twitter follows I enjoy from people in the industry is uh, Dave Oshry at New Blood Interactive. Just delightful yeah i've known i've known dave for years i think i've, I've mm-hmm. disclaimed like we're not super mega friends um but i have known dave for god mm. it must be over 10 years now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started but, in like games media and yep. sort of moved on to, to um pr but yeah new blood interactive publishes gloomwood and this, this is the sort of ps1 looking kind of bloodborne um energy to it yeah well it made me it made me think of Dusk, because it's got that same aesthetic, this sort of Quake-era first-person shooter. Um, but unlike something like Dusk, which was very Quake, uh, this is uh, more of a, a stealth-action horror game, Yeah. where you are, again, very much like with Agent 64, like you said, I don't know if there's a, a proper story going on, because it's just a demo level. Um it's a lot of sneaking around from these creepy, glowy-eyed constables in this very gothic looking city um you do get weapons but like you get guns uh the demo as far as i've seen so far has like a revolver and a shotgun and ammo is like pathetically scarce so you spend a lot of time sneaking you get a cane sword there are some difficulty options that will do things like increase the availability of ammo, which is nice. Um, but yeah, you got your cane sword for melee stuff, which is nice. Yeah, and I'm always a fan of cane swords, just in general. Oh, just yeah. on general principle, um, I like cane swords. Just stylish as fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's got that, it's very much that sort of Victorian era, um, dapper, dapper spookiness is what I'd call it. Um, it's promising Mm. it's promising and oh oh yes 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 uh it is done by the guy who did dusk yeah david zamansky yeah the the developers are are david zamansky and dylan rogers for gloomwood um and so yeah uh the demo is not combat heavy insofar as uh you jump in and mow down enemies there's an emphasis on sneaking uh, you know, yeah. crouching and sneaking about in the dark because if you get, if you deal with more than one enemy at once, you are probably in trouble. Yes. Uh, in fact, I've got as far as one bit of the demo before putting it down and thinking that's enough for now. Uh, and that was in a sewer area where three of these crow men are, <laughs> yeah. and it's so dark, and I don't know where they are, and like I just keep getting surrounded by three of them and absolutely mullered. Uh, so I've kind of stopped it there for now, um, but I do want to play it because I loved Dusk, and I, I think Zemanski does this great, really good sort of um, horror-themed, quake-looking games. The takeaway I had from playing that demo is m- 
moment to moment, I'm mechanically enjoying playing it, but I need to know what's going to be happening around the moment to moment to know how much I'm going to enjoy it, you know, going through. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the full thing. Um, I really, I could do with a little extra help in terms of knowing where things are. Because when it gets, like, you need to hide in the dark to really stay hidden. And it's so dark that you can't see the mostly black clad enemies that are walking around in the black shadows. Um, so yeah, I keep like, I, I'm pretty sure I bumped into the things I was hiding from a lot. I mean, I did what I always do with games like this, which is I just turned the brightness at the start up a couple of notches above what it says to do. Yeah, that actually seems like a good idea. I might need to fudge it a bit to, just so that I can see a bit. <laughs> I just do that with every horror game these days. I'm like, if, if, if you are a game that is set in darkness i just want to be able to see what i'm doing yeah i don't care if that affects the ambience mm-hmm. I-, I played some other stuff some some of these are going to be pretty short um I-, I don't have a huge amount to say about all of them um there's a game that was during devolver's showcase this year that's called anger foot uh you may remember it as the trailer of a big foot kicking down doors and kicking people oh yeah that one was like the game that i thought was like aesthetically and in terms of audio the most interesting thing that they showed but the one i least wanted to play i feel about this the way i feel about something like my neighbor pedro or my friend pedro i think uh-huh, it was called uh-huh yeah in that i want to watch very skilled people play yes. like very talented speedruns of yeah. this i don't know that it's a game for me to play yeah i'm looking at it right now and i think i'd have the exact same experience i had with my friend pedro yeah so like i i played through the demo and i'll say this it's a well-made game um the you do have a gun as an option it has limited ammo but like it takes multiple gunshots to kill a person your kick Always seems to be a one-hit KO. It encourages you to run in the room, get straight to the enemy, kick and run out. Mm-hmm. It energy-wise feels like super hot if you didn't have the slowdown. In that, like, the energy of your melee attacks and the way that, like, the combat is paced has a very similar feel just in full speed. I could play through it and had a, a an enjoyable time, one room at a time, okay, get planned, get ready kick the door, do the thing, memorize where to go, go, get it done, stop, reorient myself. It was not the beautiful, fluid murder ballet that I wanted myself to be doing. Mm -hmm. It is clearly a very well-made game that I think people are going to enjoy. It it feels really nice to play. I am not skilled enough to get what I want out of this experience. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I got. That's the impression I got, is that... I'm sure some people are going to be phenomenally good at this game, but I'm not going to be one of them. Yeah, and those these are the types of games where, yeah. like, they're fun if you can get it to where it's fluid. Yeah. But because they're so designed around being satisfactory when it's fluid, confident motion, I never get anything out of them because I'm so stoppy-starty right. and I'm really cautious with how I play a game. So I'm like, I'm really not getting a fun time out of this. Not because the game's bad, but because I just can't play it the way they intended it to be played. And I bring it up here regardless, mainly to go, if you're the kind of person who knows you are technically good enough at video games that you will have that kind of experience, this is a very well-made game that's really fun. It's just not for me. What else have you been playing, Steph? What else have I been playing? Uh, I have been... I finished Binary Domain. 
Um, I just started playing it or replaying it because I played it when it first came out um, back in the day. It is such a mid two thousands game. Mm. You know, it's in heavily inspired by Gears of War. Sexist writing, you know, it, yeah. gratuitous ass shots. Um, you know, there one one uh, woman's introduced. Um, doesn't take long before the camera's on her ass, and the main characters are like staring her right in the face and talking about her as if she's not there. Like, wow, her profile pic doesn't do her justice. She reminds me of this one actress, um, and it's like, oh, the only things you watch are porn. And then he gives them this knowing look of, ah, ha ha ha, we have watched porn, and she looks like it. Um, so yeah, very sort of, oh yeah. That's what it was like back then. <laughs> Not that I was much better back then is the thing. So I hate... It's like holding up a mirror to who I used to be as well. Yeah. So I'm like, I hate this on two different levels. I hate it for what it was and I hate it for what I was. Um, but it does that for a bit and then moves on. Um, you know, it's no worse than any of the fucking games back then. Not that it makes that okay. Um, but it's not oversaturating to the point where I can't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's you know, a, a very standard third person shooter against lots of robots. You can blow their arms and their heads and their legs off um, and it's very satisfying because they all like fall apart into metal chunks. Um, that's cool. Really big over the top boss fights. Uh, the writing at the end gets so into like what is a human and it's way like for something cheesily written and really silly, it's way better better than like like detroit mm. with its what if robots but people narrative like for such a silly over the top game like it really it gets weird towards the end like spoiler warnings for this ancient game but robots there are robots running around that are indistinguishable from people aesthetically um, under the deep tissue, they've got like creepy robot skeletons, um, and they're start and they've been programmed to not even know that they're robots. So they start really freaking out when they find out they are, and they're instantly gunned down by the main character. Like the main characters don't give a fuck about them because they're scrapheads. Uh, they're you know just robots, and it's illegal for robots to be made to look like people. So they're basically, you know, walking contraband, so they're they're destroyed on sight. But as the game goes on, you find out that, you know, this AI is in control of this corporation because it gains self-awareness, because its creator introduced it to the concept of suffering, and that triggered a defense mechanism, which was sentience. Uh, killed him off, made a robot of him, and is running around as him. Has thrown out these robot people into the world and developed a way for the women robots to become pregnant uh, and they give birth to biological humans who are only differentiated by the fact that they're like physically a bit better but no one knows it so it turns out big twist that one of the squad mates is one of these people one of these uh like has a robot mum and her existence is also illegal and then it sort of comes into this oh they're the main characters some of them want to kill her and the main character is in love with her so doesn't and and i'm like i totally forgotten just how like into it this cheesy action game gets in terms of you know what what measure is a non-human kind of uh, story. So I was sort of impressed, and I do kind of... I, I am sad it didn't get a sequel, 
Um, because I would love to see that develop. It's like for the the kind of games that were out at the time, and honestly, the kind of mainstream games we get now, it went a little further than most in terms of the whole. You know, it's such a tried and true, uh, such an overdone question. You know, I used to make fun of it with Detroit all the time. The what if robots but people, um, but this one is like, it's literally what if robots were people, and yeah, yeah, it's just this. Uh, yeah, I was just really, I'd, I'd finished the game and I was really pleased with it. Uh, I remember liking it back in the day, um, but I think replaying it, I like it a bit more now. Uh, probably going to replay it again on stream because uh, it's very easy to get into. You know, it's a very straightforward cover shooter. Um, but yeah, I, I do recommend it if you've, if, if you've played it before and are like, maybe I'll replay it. Definitely do give it another go. Uh, and if you just like third-person shooters, this one's aged pretty well, I would say. You know, it's no, it's not a top-tier one, but in, in terms of those middle-shelf mainstream games that you just don't get anymore, the ones that aren't quite big-budget but aren't, like, little indie games, it's a f really good example of what those kinds of games were. Uh, both the good and the bad. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy replaying Binary Domain, and it's it does work on the Steam Deck. It's one of those unverified ones, or, or playable with the yellow question mark. Yeah. But once you enable controller support, it it doesn't show button prompts on screens. So you got to work out which buttons do what. But again, it's Gears of War. It's not hard. Uh, so yeah, it works really well on Steam Deck, um, and worth checking out. Yeah. 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 I will rattle through a couple of other things I've played this week. Um, I played a demo for a game called Melatonin. It is a, uh, it's an elite beat agent style music rhythm game. Ooh. Uh, lots of silly, lots of silly little mini games that are all themed around a person on a sofa having, having some weird dreams uh, that are your excuses for your little music rhythm mini games. Lovely art style, lovely aesthetic. It's got some really beautifully animated 2D art. Uh, and each of the levels in the demo has, like... The way it's set up is that you'll have a little tutorial where there will be two or three different visual tells that will tell you on what beat you need to be interacting. Um, so, for example, one of the first levels in this is... Uh, there's various bits of f food being thrown at you, and the rhythm will always be one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. But if the burger box that's going to fire a burger at you, if it sort of does a couple of small hops towards you, it's going to fire the burger on the very next beat. If it fires it up in the air, it's going to complete the, like, one, two, three, four, and you've got to catch it on the one. And there'll only be, like, two or three different visual tells that it'll it'll teach you. And then it'll just play around with those in varying ways. And it'll do things like obscuring stuff behind a cloud. So you're having to rely on little bits of visual to, to keep that pacing and stuff like that. Uh, it'll change up the tempo a little bit. I like that each of the levels has like a very simple, distinct visual gimmick. And that there aren't too many things to learn for each level. It's just, here's the couple of ways we're going to clue you into what's coming, interact on the beat. And I found it really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, the demo has like a decent amount of um, play in it. Like there's three full levels to be having to play around with and there's enough in there to get a feel for whether it's it's going to be right for you. But it made me chuckle. It was, it was colourful and lighthearted 
and I had a good I had a good fun time. Actually, no, there's more than that. There's at least four that I remember that were in there. But yeah, if you if you like a sort of slightly comedic, slightly silly music rhythm game, this seems like a fun one to give a go. It does look very cute. Yeah, lots of, lots of like nice pastel colors and like mm. amusing animations used. Um. The other one that I don't have a lot to say about, but I just, I had a nice time with, and I have nothing of insight to say on, is I played a demo for Spirit Swap, which is a match three game with a story about cute gay witches and lo-fi beats to study to as a background music. I've played that. I have. I've played this in the past. Um... Yeah, there's 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 been a demo for it around for a while, I think, and um, I I just needed to get around to to giving it a go and. Everything about it is very nice, and I have nothing yes. of interest to say about this. Yes, three uh, match three game. Sometimes it's match three against another person. Sometimes you're not quite matching three. You might make a box of four in a little square, and that might activate a special ability. But it's generally just a very nice looking, nice sounding match three game. Yeah, it doesn't do anything particularly novel nor does it need to exactly it yeah it is a very polished package of an uninnovative thing and that is fine mm-hmm. comrade do you want to chime in with the thing you played this week well actually i i remembered Ooh. that i played a couple <gasps> of other things oh oh heck yeah we should we should get some of those done then i guess yeah 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 so um i well my partner linda uh the other day it was just like did you know that there was a a house of the dead game where you typed uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and i was like oh yes sweetheart yes i know um and i tried to find uh typing of the dead and could could not because i guess they never released that on pc did they not release that on pc or is it no longer available on pc the original Typing the Dead? I thought it was only on PC. I didn't know it was. No, it was originally on Dreamcast, wasn't it? Really? Because Dreamcast had a keyboard attachment. I never knew that. Yeah, so there was a, there definitely was a PC release. I, I thought there was, but the only one I could find was um, Overkill. Uh, maybe it was just Overkill that came to PC. But yeah, Typing the Dead was on Dreamcast. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, so yeah, I, I got Overkill. Yeah. Instead. Um, and the thing that I was kind of a little disappointed about in the Steam description on it, it seems to indicate that it had local co-op. And this is somewhat true in the sense that, yeah, features, two-player, co-op, multiplayer. But what they mean by that is that if you have multiple keyboards connected, it identifies them as, you know, one keyboard. And so that makes the co-op aspect of it really challenging because as you type a word, uh, mm. <laughs> if someone else is trying to type a different word, it don't it don't do well. Now, in fairness to it, once a word is started, as long as nobody presses backspace, uh, it'll accept any correct input. Okay. So you, it's it could be worse. Yeah. But it is not actually built for co-op, and I think there's like a comment in. Uh, a board on Steam that I did find later from uh, someone saying, this is never coming. Actual co-op, local. And I was like, alright, fine. This sounds like a thing that's just a gimmick of, the, like, a, a quirk of the way PCs work, that no PC was ever designed for multi-keyboard support. But you could still do it. Yeah. You you could still do it. There's still a way to do it. 
I mean, for God's sake, my PC is able to identify my two DOS keyboards independently. <laughs> I, I, I plugged in my DOS keyboard, my second DOS keyboard, and it had to load drivers for it. <laughs> so you can't tell. Anyway, um, so there, that, but that made me realize, hey, wait a minute, there's another typing game that really would benefit from co-op. And so we switched over and played, and I've talked about this before, uh, the Texter Cyst. Oh, yeah. That is a yeah. great name. What? That is a great fucking name. Isn't it? It's a great fucking name. Yeah. The Texter Cyst, I think it's the Tale of Ray Babia is the uh, subtitle of that. But, and it's a, it's a really cool game. You should look it up, Steph, um, if you know, had forgotten this or, or whatever. It's sprite art is gorgeous it has this fun story about a hard-bitten ex-exorcist who left the church and now the church is like getting involved in demons to expand their power and so he has to come and you know fight the church it's really cool and the way it mechanically works is you move around on the screen uh at the same time as Typing the words that you would say in the prayer while performing an exorcism. That is neat. really, it's neat, but it's really hard. Like, really hard. Because it's bullet hell shit that you got to deal with. And so you can play it in single player. Uh, it just means that you really have to learn the patterns of enemy bullets and know where you will be able to move and stop moving to type for a bit. Um, and then there are effects like the the text gets flipped upside down on you temporarily, or uh, you're forced to stop what you're typing to go type something else to defuse a bomb before it blows up. Um, if you get hit by any of the bullets, your Bible flies out of your hand. And it functions like a shield, right? But you then have to go retrieve your Bible again before you can continue your prayers. And there's a timer on the Bible, and if you can get to the Bible before the timer runs out, you can pick up your prayer right where you left off. Otherwise, you have to go back to the beginning of that segment that you were working on. On top of this, you have to remain within a limited range of the enemy that you're fighting in order to conduct the prayer. Uh, and so if you're dodging around stuff for a while, you're just not going to be able to type and that's kind of interesting. Oh, and then it introduces Latin. <laughs> that that makes sense. Right? It's it's really fun. It's really clever. It's very, very hard, but it works great in co-op. If you have, you know, two keyboards or you key map a controller to put the keys cursors on a joystick on a joypad, and uh, the other person types. One person moves. And so as long as you can work together in terms of, okay, I'm going to have to step out of range or hang on a second, I got to go pick up the book while the other person is typing. It, it's really fun and it doesn't really minimize the intensity of it. It's still challenging and exciting, um, but not quite so overwhelming because there did come a point where I just, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's way too hard. Fun, fun game, cool story, great art, great music. And they just released a new DLC for it. The game's about three years old, and they just put out an expansion, um, like in March. 
it's a cool game. I highly recommend people check it out, but I will warn you, it is, um, it's exhilarating, but after the first couple stages, it is just damn hard and, and fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the text assist, you should, you should check that out. Nice. Nice. Um, played a couple of other demos I'm going to try and, uh, sprint through kind of quickly. Um, I played a little bit of a, a point-and-click adventure demo uh, for a game called Lost in Play, and the three pieces of media I keep wanting to compare it to, and these are all positive comparisons, are uh, the animated shows Hilda, Over the Garden Wall, and Gravity Falls. It is a point-and-click adventure game that is uh, entirely told without any uh, without any words. There is no on-screen text, there is no spoken dialogue, it's all told through um, very expressive animation, gibberish uh, speech, but it has sort of intonation, and speech or thought bubbles that will convey um, what is being put across. And sometimes that's something that like can be very hit and miss, how, how well it conveys meaning and gets uh, what the, is expected of the player across. This is one of the best examples I've played of like really, really succeeding at very clear uh, instructions and conveyance of what you're supposed to be doing without any words. It is very well put together in that regard. It is a little adventure that is like very clearly based in some degree of imagination and the sort of playful interaction between a brother and sister. One of the things I really like about it is that, um, at least in this demo, all of the environments in which you're doing point-and-click uh, puzzle solving are limited to maybe two or three screens at most, in which all of the puzzles, objects needed for the puzzles, and solutions are all found in one enclosed couple of screens. And you complete all of the things, and do, have done all of the things, and then you move on. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it, it really works to prevent that point-and-click thing of there's something 30 screens back that you missed, uh, or I can't work out what I'm supposed to be interacting with, and there is a lot of space where like my path forward could be. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it really nicely manages to make its environments feel very dense and polished. Having all of the tools very clearly presented to you, like it's not the kind of point and click where you are pixel hunting to try and find that one thing you didn't find to click on. Right. All of the interactable elements are very clearly signposted to you, and it is just a question of what's that first thread I can unravel that's gonna make this all start unfolding. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really nice quality of life touches in here that I really appreciated. Any time that you are supposed to be collecting multiple items to combine together, the game will automatically combine them into a single item once you have all the parts needed to do that. And if you are trying to solve a thing and it needs the combined item that is all the things you're putting together, it will show in a question mark the multiple things you need to find, and then it'll combine it into one usable item automatically. Well, that's nice. Little things like that take a lot of the friction out that I sometimes find with point and clicks. Mm -hmm. And it makes this just a very charming playful, very, just very nice to engage with point and click that feels like it wants me to be there playing it. Which, as someone that enjoys point and clicks as a genre in theory more than in practice, it has been so long since I've played a point and click that has felt like it wants me to complete it. And I 
really enjoyed it. Um, so I I think that's out in August, and I definitely want to keep an eye on that and, and check it out when it's out in full. I also played a bit of the Elden Ring Game Boy remake that we talked about a few weeks back as a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. It has been released. Uh, it is a fairly small chunk of Elden Ring. The developer says, "I need because I need to get a job. I can't just fucking make this." But uh, you you're dropped into the start of the game. You've the, the the first boss is there. You get onto the open world, and there's a couple of locations you can go to and fight a couple of bosses. It's very simple. You have sword and roll are your two things you have. You are not changing your uh, your your loadout. You are not leveling up, but it it does a pretty good job of conveying a small chunk of Elden Ring that feels like one of those Game Boy, like Link to the Past on Game Boy mm-hmm. level of presentation. It is more of like a, a fun little novelty than say the Bloodborne PS One remake was. But as a nice little novelty that I could load up on my little emulator handheld, and they've actually made it work as a as a as a Game Boy ROM file, so you can load it on there mm. and playing it like it was a Game Boy game. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun little experiment that I'm not going to go back to. It's hard as balls, but I had a bit of fun with it. What about you, Steph? You played anything else this week? Yeah, I played one more thing. Um, Getsu Fumaden. Ooh. Getsu Fumaden Undying Moon. Now, I didn't know uh, that this was originally an NES game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, th- I mean, the the real notable thing about it is it's um, developed and published by Konami, along with Guru Guru. Wait, 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 wait. Konami? Wait, they still make video games? Konami actually did something. Other than butcher its the the football game, the one good thing that it has, other than butcher that to the point where they fucked even that up like they did last year, um, Getsu Fumaden is is a new thing it's done. Amazing. You say this is a video game from Konami. An interactive digital entertainment software huh. by the Konamis, of all things. Well. Yeah. I never. Ex- right? It's great on deck, so I downloaded it for the Steam Deck, and wouldn't you know if it isn't another side-scrolling Metroidvania roguelike. Um, there's just not enough of them, everyone. There's just not enough. Uh, this is a good one. Um, so like I say, it's based on an NES game. Very straightforward, side-scrolling stuff. Really cool um, Really cool visual design. It's like um, based on sort of very traditional Japanese artwork um, with all kinds of weird demons and stuff to fight. Uh, you get two sub-weapons and lots of weapons that you can pick up and upgrade throughout a run. Yeah, rock solid. Uh, I would say that I could probably do with some... Something a little quicker in terms of dodging, um, and something a little more clearly communicative in terms of enemy tells. Uh, sometimes I just can't get a good bead on the attacks, and that's when I take damage. Uh, but it's a very pretty game. Very, very pretty looking. And if if you really haven't had enough uh, roguelite uh, Metroidvania-style games... Uh, this is a really good one. Um, awesome bosses, like in terms of how they look and how they're introduced. Uh, really f- uh, cool stuff. Um, and that's really all I've got to say about that. There's there's increasingly little you can say about these kinds of games um, because so far all the ones I've played have been like there's a minimum baseline good to them. 
Yeah. Um, and it's on sale now at the moment. Like it's 15, uh, 15 quid. And I like it. It's definitely worth checking out if you're like still super into those games. And I've still, I've still got time for them, especially on like a Steam Deck or a Switch. Uh, that's yeah. where these games work really well for me. So yeah, this is another one along with all of the others. Uh, yeah, get to Fimadin. Yeah. yeah. Comrade, you want to talk about the other thing you played this week? So I'm still playing Satisfactory. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am uh I am building I am building factory. Uh, so much factory. The factory don't stop. Um but I haven't actually made any progress in terms of like achieving in-game goals since we last spoke despite dedicating hours to this game every day i have made no noticeable observable progress from that perspective i have however completely disassembled everything that i had built up to that point just about and am in the process of rebuilding it ground up and so it's now reached a point where i am producing um Steel and uh, Katarium, which is the game's version of gold, and uh, something else, I get something else delivered in from exterior sites by truck to a truck station that drops it into a conveyor, pulls out the coal, which is going to be used to refuel all of those trucks, and then separates the rest of it off to go into my network for later making of ammunition, because, Jesus Fucking Christ, there was a, a teaser photo or teaser image of the update six that's coming out, and it's got like a xenomorph type egg. And this game's combat sucks already. If I'm honest, this is not a game for which combat needs to be more than what it is. There are a couple of enemy types, they hang out at valuable resources. You eliminate them to get access to the resources. They don't come back. There aren't swarms that come in like Factorio, which by the way is the thing that I always just disabled whenever I played Factorio. Okay. So, I got all of that coming in. It's siphoning off my refined ingots off into a series of containers for distribution elsewhere into my factory. Then I've got some more local iron sites set up, and I have reconfigured all of those production lines, going from iron ingots into plates and uh, ingots into rods, rods into screws, uh, screws and rods into reinforced iron plates. It goes on and fucking on. But now I've got all my iron stuff. They're all in independent buildings. And more importantly, they're all on their own independent power grid that I have wired back to my home base room. And I have this power room that's just full of switches so I could turn them all on and off at will and manage my power control and how much uh, material I'm producing. And I can stop overflow, which is all being managed with sinks. And there's just orange walls everywhere and conveyors going to all the places. And it's still going to be another week before I make any more progress because I still, I've just done iron. I haven't even started working on my steel and copper i've got days of this shit to go yet before i make before i see anything new in the game and i am as happy as a pig in shit 
for to, to to make no progress in a video game that I have played every day for a week solid and be happy with that is nothing short of a revelation. Hooray! That is beautiful. Oh, uh, it's it's very very good. It's very satisfying. Uh, seriously, cannot speak highly enough of of this early access product that i hope they don't ruin because i happen to come in at exactly the right time to fully enjoy everything that's there <laughs> just before they change it yeah um the only other thing i played this week that i want to throw in real quick um and i i, I mainly find it interesting in how brazenly it is the thing it is is a game called turbo golf racing which I played a demo, there's a demo on Steam, it's got online multiplayer in the demo, and it is very unapologetically what if we made a Rocket League but different sport. So instead of trying to use your car to to do your boosts and get the football into the goal, instead, this is golf. You have a big long winding golf course and there are multiple other players also, and you are racing to as quickly as you can get your big ball into the golf hole by driving your car at it very fast. There are also what I can best describe as Mario Kart power-ups, so you can fire rockets at the other cars, but it's basically Rocket League but golf. And it's pretty fun! That sounds like it would be. Yeah, yeah, it is It is very simple. Um, I like that there is a degree of automated camera lock-on to the ball. Um, you can interact with other people's balls. They're like clearly, <laughs> it's it's clear enough which ones are not yours. So that if you want to like reverse backwards and knock it back and cause them problems, uh, that you can do that. The biggest problem the game has is, from from what I've played is that despite the fact that there are Mario Kart style power ups, there's not much in the way of power ups that like will homing attack other cars if you're not in line of sight with them. And it means that if you accidentally miss the ball and go past it and have to reverse and line up your shot and keep going and everyone else hasn't done that, you will be behind the rest of the pack and often it's very difficult to catch back up. Mm. Like, I feel like this game needs um, to lean more heavily into that Mario Kart style of equalizing mechanics that allow someone who is in last place to catch back up to the pack. Mm -hmm. Like, the core mechanics are fun. It is an enjoyable game. It's just a game that I think... I think it's a game that needs to have more consideration for. If you make one mistake and are behind behind the pack as a result, what do we give you that would let you even that playing field? Right. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's basically it. I'm, I'm probably going to have a bunch more E3 demos to talk about next week, because I... I might have downloaded like 30 demos in the past week on Steam just because there were things that looked interesting and I want to give them a go. So, yeah. Is that us done for this week, I think? I feel like it might be. Did, did, did anyone yeah. watch any of the E... Naughty 3 stuff? Uh, I, I watched and streamed along all of them and chatted with chat. Well, that's right. You actually um, did that. Th I was... <laughs> I, I did the thing, yeah. I... I, I I'll tell you, here's all you need to know. I mean, I watched a lot of it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, for for anyone who didn't watch them, here's the big takeaways. Uh, IGN's conference they did was sponsored by a gamer credit card that gives you achievements for spending your money, which feels like a terrible, <laughs> terrible financial 
choice. <laughs> I fucking hate capitalism. And by the US Army, which just gave us an excuse to mute the chat every time they came up and talk about our favourite US war crimes. Well, you know, the, look, Call of Duty <laughs> remains a tremendous recruitment opportunity and, you know. I mean, look, my, my favourite thing about that stream was having back-to-back... This is a game we're going to show you about the horrors of war and why war is never the right yeah. thing to do. You should never go to war. Now be all you anyway, can be. Anyway, <laughs> sponsored by the US <laughs> Army and others. It was, it was... Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, the PC gaming show this year, uh, they kept it down to two hours, which, you know, for them... Progress. Uh, that's pretty good going. Uh, they only had four interviews that stopped the pace of the show dead in its tracks, which... Uh, that's a huge step up. Feels like less than they've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they managed to keep it to maybe once every half hour stopping the entire flow of the presentation. So it could have been worse. Devolver's thing was short but fun this year. I think it was, I think it was better than last year's. Uh, I think it was better than last year's. I... I'm a little disappointed in them. I'm disappointed in them in one regard. I'm disappointed in them in a few regards. One, they did a Max Headroom thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's just me. They did a Max Headroom thing, and I thought it was really cute that they got Suda to do it. And, 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 and It's fine, it's fine. Where's Matt Frewer? Okay. Like, where is Matt Frewer in any of this? I saw zero Matt Frewer. <laughs> That's issue number one. Issue number two, it felt really light in terms of number of things shown just in general. Um, and third, they did that countdown joke and they should have just committed to the countdown joke. That that was going to be my one complaint is they start that they start the thing by making it seem like the entire presentation is going to be half an hour of Suda very slowly counting backwards in increasingly exhausted increments, and I I am upset at them for not committing to the bit. No, and, and you know what? Furthermore, furthermore, the thing that pisses me off about this is that <laughs> they could have done that. They could have done that whole countdown, right? Yeah. And then shown all of the trailers in compressed form of a few seconds right at the end. A blipvert, which is a reference to 20 minutes into the future. It's the core premise of the origination of Max Headroom. They made the joke. They know what 20 minutes into the future is. Thacker, come on. <laughs> I, yeah. Come on, Thacker. Breaking my heart. <laughs> um, but it was cute. The singularity idea. I mean, this, it feels a little, it feels a little tired talking about, um, corporate consolidation this late in the game but they made a good joke out of it so yeah i i thought it was it was it was an improvement on last year and it was a it was an enjoyable t it it was infinitely better than any of the other conferences that tried to do a here is a here's a skit we're doing devolver continues to be the only one that seems to be able to land a halfway decent skit don thacker i demand next year that you produce the devolver special exclusively to my whims and desires <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um oh actually i have one other thought about e3 Ah, uh, so the Gorilla Collective, which is one of the groups that does indie presentations during E3 week, I got two complaints. First of all, they did a big boast about how they see their role as uh, helping to consolidate and um, 
you know, fight against the the big sprawling spread of news information during E3 week. Despite the fact that they broke their presentation up into two halves, uh, separated by two days, you're just adding to the thing. Make it one presentation. You don't need to do that. Second of all, they started their first presentation with a really, really painful to watch um, performative anti-mask bit where they came on camera with masks on and then made a whole point of, I think it's time, take the mask off. Ah, isn't this so much better that we don't have to have the masks on anymore? I mean, the video game industry is so used to going mask off (sighs) at this point, it's hardly fucking surprising. Like... Look, I I will give some credit that I don't think that was the intention, but I sat watching it just going, oh my god, this feels like this feels like the you can't force us to wear a mask people. No one forced you to wear a mask at the start of this video. You put it on and then made a point of taking it off. Oh, cool. That's E3. That's E3 week. Bloody shit. Fuck the game industry. I don't know if I've made a point. But I think the game industry at this point is just sheer fucking poison. You know, it's it's, it's interesting. This is the first time hearing this, but yeah. uh, I like where you're going. I feel like I might have been a bit ambiguous uh, when I say the game industry is rotten to the core to such a uh, distasteful degree that I am disgusted covering most of it as a purely consumer uh, level um, industry. Um, I hate it. Looking forward to that Resident Evil 4 remake, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's looking looking all right. I'm actually not. I don't... My fear with that is they're gonna like they're gonna rework the story in that. My fear is they're not gonna make it stupid anymore. Like that's the best bit of Resident Evil 4's story, is it's stupid as hell. I want it to be dumb as fuck. I want it to be dumb as fuck. Right? Leon better ask yeah. the fatty if his right hand comes off, or I will <laughs> riot. Yeah, I want them to keep it dumb as fuck. Yeah. But- yeah, I think that's I think that's everything for this week. Oh, we did it. We, we did we came it. Came out the other side. Good, 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 good. Well, there's another side to this podcast, and that is the other kind of content we produce. And <gasps> Laura, I believe that on the side you have all sorts of other stuff going on. Oh, I got all sorts of stuff going on. I've, I've, you find me at Laura K Buzz in all the places. Uh, the main things right now. We kind of talked about it at the start. Uh, Wednesday the 29th of June in Parliament Square in London, starting at noon, we're going to be hosting the Not Safe to Be Me uh, protest, where we're going to have a bunch of people from a bunch of different minority backgrounds, including uh, the trans community, but also a bunch of different groups, talking about the fact that it does not feel safe to be me in this country at the moment, um, piggybacking off of the Safe to Be Me conference that the UK government was going to very uh, gloatingly put on on that day, talking about how they are leading the way of LGBT equality in the UK, and then everyone pointed out they're fucking over trans people. Uh, so that's that's in a couple of weeks. Come come along to that. That'll be great. Um, also, and I think I can say this, um, Friday of this week, there's a song coming out, what I have some words in. So keep an eye out on my Twitter on Friday. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to hear me in a song that I'm very proud of and I've been waiting to share with people for a while, so keep an eye out for that. 
What about you, Conrad? What do you do on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. Oh, you should also check out my very, very adorable cat, Potato Wand. He's on Instagram, uh, One-Eyed Potato. And everything I do gets supported online through Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, it's true. Oh, yeah. God. Twist of the century. Wow. Um, yes, I do. It is patreon.com slash jimquisition that supports this. It supports the, the Jimquisition, obviously. Um, and just, you know is my job and you're very welcome to contribute to it if you want uh you can also watch me stream on twitch tv um usually mondays at uh around about 7 p.m uk and around about that same time on wednesdays and other days in between here and there basically when conrad and laura aren't streaming i'll sort of maybe fit one in um also uh, my next confirmed dates for wrestling i have a couple i can't talk about yet or are in the works uh current confirmed dates are july 9th um for the next north wrestling show in newcastle although that has sold out um august 20th uh, is avant-garde wrestling um their their very first debut show in which i am director of um ceremonies uh, that's also in newcastle oh, i don't think i can talk about the others yet um there there might be one coming on august like very early august and i will let you know whenever that's confirmed and i know i've got some stuff coming up in october and i'm hoping to fill out dates in between there but it's looking like it's gonna be a busy back half of 2022 for commander sterling i bet you've got a busy back half oh, oh yeah with all the, the dicks that go in my ass <laughs> Bye! <laughs>